what stops us from listening to that inner voice and what makes us listen to it is probably the question that comes out for me. Like, I can tell you there's times where I haven't listened to my inner voice and, and just as well. But I've sat with my example many a times and gone, what made me in that moment listen to it? Welcome to another edition of Wabi Sabi. And uh, Jim and I got a great topic today because I think this topic relates to every single listener, viewer, definitely relates to me on a regular basis. And it's the topic of taming our inner voice. Now, I'm going to start by talking about the inner voice. I think there's, uh, you know, for a long, long time, I, and I probably still actually, stuck, I'll miss, I'm, I'll admit that the inner voice does not stop talking. Like, I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's like you think, you you got it handled and we talk about like transformation and all stuff but i know like at 40 years old i know that the inner voice is still loud and it's still there and it never goes away and we'll talk about like whether it gets louder or is it getting quieter or how are we taming it but i think the first is being aware that we actually have an inner voice and that inner voice is different than the voice of the champion that you should be so we'll start there mm, i like it i like it well there's so many directions that we can go through there, we can talk about the negative and positive sides of that inner voice because we can actually channel that to inspire us to level up and, and do something greater than the current scenario. Or it can paralyze us into fear, doubt, uncertainty, all those components. So is there one that you want to start off with first, Lawrence? I don't have any particular direction or, or in terms of which one because I can go off on any one of these. <laughs> so okay. I'll let you all choose right. today, Jim. Okay, I'm going to start with how powerful the inner voice can be, right? So okay. I'm going to share a quick story. I have shared this before, so it's common knowledge, but when I, I learned to listen and trust my inner voice when I was probably seven or eight. Long story short, we were my brother and I were two kids playing in a house, our friend's house, and we were running around the house playing show and tell, uh, hide and seek, I should say, and we ran into a parent's family, the mum and dad of the kids we were playing with ran into the bedroom and hiding behind the curtains was one of the boys but next to him was a gun mm. and I picked up this gun and fascinated by it I was like hey this is phenomenal great I can I can really start leveling up my game and playing so I took it out took it outside I'm abbreviating this story because it, it could take quite a while but when I went outside I picked up the rifle and put it to my brother's my brother's head he was probably two, two and a half years old. And I was about to pull the trigger thinking it was, this is a great game. And just at that moment, I heard this, don't do it inside my head. Don't do it. It was like the clear, clearest message I could ever get. And I actually listened to it. And I moved the gun away from my brother's head, fired the gun and this huge explosion went off. So in that moment, I realized I could actually kill my brother. Mm. Right. And in that moment, it was also the biggest lesson for me to trust intuition, trust the inner voice. Now, that doesn't always mean that the messages coming through are as clear and as life-changing as that. But I wanted to start with that because we can use this for good or we can use this for evil. And in that instance, it was one example of how it really transformed my life by listening to it. Slight normal moment, mate. I, you know, I mean, I think... Like if you didn't listen to that voice, I don't think we'll be right here talking we, right now. Yeah, no, no, not at all. 
it would have been a different circumstances. Uh, I don't know where, <laughs> like I've heard that story a couple of times now and I, I I'm just leaves me aghast and uh, speechless again. And uh, I almost don't know where to go from here, but so I'll, I'll, I'll share something with the invoice that you just kind of triggered my, my thoughts around yeah. this. This literally happened to me last week, right? Okay. Not to anywhere to the extent, but what I, I guess want to want to contrast is that the inner voice is there for small things and also for very, very big things too. So we have, um, we were putting some air conditioning in our house and, and one of the things that uh, we couldn't, my, my wife wanted to put a certain picture uh, in a certain wall and we needed the air conditioner to go up first so that we can put it the right place and make sure it's all right. And, uh, and the guy, the guy installing the air conditioner was graciously enough to go, yeah, I'm happy to put it up for you. I don't have to go do it. I'm like, perfect. So I was going to do it for you. Cause me and, and putting things up handyman situation, like I can do it, but I'm just, <laughs> it would take me five times as long. And so much, because there was, there's like a whole bunch of like electrical stuff there too. And I was like, what worried about it? What happens if I drill through some electrical wire? I'm like, I'm just, I don't even want to touch this right with a 10 foot pole. So anyways, long story short, he was measuring it, da, 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 da. And I, you know, was holding up the picture to like, Karen, what do you think? Oh, she's like, okay, that's right there. Measured it up. I'm like, all right. So I put it down and there was like this inner voice that says, I think you should move that painting onto the picture. And I'm like, I'm like, it's silly. Like, and then Karen called me and she said like, Hey, could you, could you come and help me do something? I'm like, so I went and do that thing. Next thing I know downstairs, I'm like, bang. I'm like, I heard it. I'm like, well, it's just a worker. Probably just dropped something, whatever. And next thing I know, I'll come back upstairs and sure enough that, exact picture with the glass frame um, cracked. He fell over and, you know, poor guy. And uh, he felt so bad. He, I think he was almost in tears, but you know, like I said, don't worry, it's a picture. It's okay. Like, you know, as long as you're not hurt, whatever. But like, this is a small thing, right? And it's like, and this has happened to me multiple times where I'm just going, okay, is that just weird? Is that freaky? You know, is it just like, you know, it's a coincidence, but it's like, it was clear. It was pretty crystal clear. Like, don't put it there. <laughs> and I didn't listen to it. I'm like, got something else busy to do. And it, I think these kind of instances constantly happen. Now, I don't know, Jim, like we can say it's like, oh, this is like, you know, whatever. Or is it, you know, confirmation bias? I don't know. Like, where do you want to lead that time? Mike, my, my, my question is what, what, like in the first instance, it's actually a really good contrast. It's actually a really good thing. And and I thought I'd start off with a story to to set a frame for how, how this could go. But what stops us from listening to that inner voice and what makes us listen to it is probably the question that comes out for me. Like I can tell you there's times where I haven't listened to my inner voice and, and just as well. But I've sat with my example many a times and gone, what made me in that moment listen to it? And in your case, what made you not listen to your voice, your inner voice? So I think that's a really important yeah. thing to, to unpackage first. Right? So what stops yeah. us from listening to our inner voice? I think, I think sometimes it's like you, I, 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 I'm just kind of dissected in my head, like just in real time here. I think what stopped me from listening to my inner voice was that it wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm like, I was mm -hmm. probably not, you know, my brain just goes, my other voice said, I mean, come on, like, <laughs> what are the chances of that ever happening? Yeah. You know, and, you know, why bother? It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's, and then it's partly like split second of laziness to just go and mm -hmm. pick it up and move it somewhere else. Uh, to maybe like thinking like, oh, now, but I have to pick it up. Then I have to think about how long, I, you know, I'm going to waste a bit of time trying to figure out where do I put it next and inconvenience and distraction, you know, like, yep. you know, Karen kind of, I called me down and, and then my thought just went from one pattern to, oh, I got to do something else now. 
and totally forgot about it. it and the, the situation wasn't that important for me to go okay. hmm, stick stick with this a little bit like just hold on a minute karen i need to kind of make a decision so it wasn't like the priority at that time for that picture wasn't like a massive priority so therefore yeah. it didn't warrant a necessarily like oh i better like really figure this out. I think those are probably several reasons why I didn't actually listen to that voice at that given time. That's actually that's actually really interesting you say that because a lot of the times, I, I think when I dis dissect situations like that as well, where I didn't realize the importance of the, the moment and hindsight's a wonderful thing. We can look back and go, gee, that would have been great to listen to, et cetera, et cetera, or I should have listed. But, but, but I think that, that that highlights that point is where we rate it relative to the level of importance. You know, so how do we see this task? And if we look at it and, and go, it's just really a choice or a values expression and nothing else, then we probably will do that. But if we if we categorize it as this is a life-defining moment, you need to listen, then I think it, it tunes us in to the situation and, and we really pay attention and go, this is really important. I really, what do I really want here? As opposed to something flippantly just going, yeah. And I would have done the same thing too, Lawrence, many a times where I... You know, a few weeks ago, I I went to the gym. I left my all my belongings in the locker while I went and trained, and and as I was putting the lock on under the locker, I thought, gee, that doesn't catch very well. I probably should move it. Nah, probably I'll leave it. And I left. And halfway, you know, out of my, my workshop, the locker must have opened up, and all my belongings were gone. Mm. Now, you know, so I kicked myself. I didn't listen. I didn't all. I went through exactly what you're talking about. The happy story ending to that story is that someone passed it all in to reception. I got all that stuff back. But I had a situation at that time where I went, here's, I had an inkling. I didn't listen to it, probably for the same reasons that you did. And yet uh, it there was an outcome that I didn't anticipate. So what was it about that moment that I didn't listen to? Probably exactly the same thing that you'd mentioned. Yeah. And so I think it's a really good dissection of like, you know, why we don't listen, but here's the freaky part. Do you remember the matrix? I'm watching the matrix. Yes, love it, scene love where, it. Um, uh, I can't remember what her name is. So she's the one, uh, she's like, not, she's not the one she's like the, uh, Oracle and the Oracle yep. is baking cookies. And then Oracle says to Morpheus, Oh no, sorry, Neo and says, um, watch out for that. And then he's like, watch out for what? And then he, turns and then crashes the vase. And uh, and then then the next line she says, she goes, or something to this effect. It's been a while since I watched me, but she says something like, now the freaky thing is, is that, you know, would you have actually broke the vase if I didn't tell you to avoid it? Mm -hmm. And so where am I going with this? So I goes, well, sometimes when you think, okay, well, it's it's bad that we cracked the mirror, uh, sorry, the, the, the picture that we did. However, it actually led to a conversation that, you know, with my wife and I and how we reacted in terms of how she reacted to the man who broke, uh, you know, the worker who broke the picture and how gentle she was and not caring about, you know, what happened to the picture and, and almost reassuring it's okay. Like, don't worry, like, we're, you know, you know, we'll cover it. Don't worry. You don't have to stress. Um, you know, for a worker, especially a Portuguese worker, like it might be like thinking that that might be a very expensive picture and then, you know, worrying about how I'm going to pay for this kind of thing. And so she was very reassuring to to him that it's, it's going to be okay. Like, are you more importantly, are you okay? Did you get mm. hurt? You know? And, but then like in hindsight, the, the conversation, and this is going to be a different topic where, you know, she really reflected upon thinking about, well, how did I, re how do I necessarily react to the kids when that mm. happens? 
I almost harder on my kids when, you know, something, if they broke something versus like a, a complete stranger who broke something, yeah. it's more gentle. And yeah. then you, we started having that conversation, like how, how is that right or wrong? You know, and, and we're not talking right or wrong, but it's just, it really led to this deeper conversation around like, man, you know, sometimes like, why is it that we're so kind of the stranger than our own family sometimes? And so, mm, and then, so, so now you go, well, the picture was broken, you know, it's crap. It was, it was too bad, but then it actually led to another conversation, you know, to something that could be better for our kids. And because now she may have learned something or both of us can learn something to go, okay, let's be utilize this to kind of learning experience. So we wouldn't have got there if this person didn't break the glass and the glass wouldn't have broken if I actually moved the picture. So like you see going, well, which one, which scenario, yeah. which, is which it good? reality, is it bad? Yeah, 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 which yeah. reality is, it's good or bad. And it's like going back to that old uh, proverb of the man, the Chinese man, that's a different story. I don't want to kind of go into it, but it, it's just like one of those things we just don't know, right? We don't know which is good or which is bad, which reality we're supposed to live in and these parallel universes uh, that, you know, that could be out there. So, I mean, I didn't want to open up the rabbit hole but i but i no, just want to highlight that mate, it's, a, it's a it's a really good point I'm gonna, I'm gonna add another spin and add some stuff that we talked about offline before we got on to record where we talked about the importance of time right and time tends to give you perspective as to whether it was a good or bad decision and um the context of it if i may share lawrence i for anybody watching the video lawrence got a really sharp um hairstyle today and I said to him, dude, turn to the left, turn to the right, looking very sharp. And he said, I had it a week ago. And we're talking about that. And, and he, you know, you mentioned that your son wasn't overly wrapped with it. Um, nope, and he gave he you some feedback. <laughs> and the joke about it was, look, the difference between a good and bad haircut is two weeks. So it's perspective, right? I think it looks great. It probably will look even better if, if that's the case. Isn't it? But it's effectively time quite often gives you the context of whether things turned out well or not and how you interpret a situation. So you've got the situation, you've got your experience to it, and then you're learning from it. And in that situation, that's what I saw that you did, which I thought was a really good thread to follow through, was you had a situation, you didn't listen to your inner voice, you had a, an experience or, or an event, and that, that led to greater learnings and distinctions later on. And so it opens up the question whether or not like listening to our voice or not listening to our voice or even like going left or right, the circumstances, I think, and how you feel about those circumstances really comes down to how you choose to feel or how mm. you choose to see yeah. the world, right? Because if I went left and moved the picture, I would have had a different reality. And if I went right instead, and I had it the reality I'm currently living in. And so I think both circumstances is requires the, the thought process of make, ensuring that I choose to the reality or the perception of that reality to be in favorable of my life or to better mm -hmm. my life. Because I could have easily gone down the way and gone, man, and beat myself up for not listening, right? And then therefore I would have a story of caution. Even then though, would be a lesson because I would have said, oh, I should have listened to my voice next time. I'm going to listen to my voice. And so therefore, even then, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm constantly creating a better reality or at least how I see the reality, even no matter how bad it actually gets. I try to go, I try to see the upside. I try to see how this is beneficial. I try to see the benefits. But like you said, time, it does require time for you sometimes to actually see the full benefit. And that can yeah. be very, very difficult to kind of go through. That took a long time for me to kind of get to this place, to not be reactionary, 
and but to know and that I get to choose and dictate the life that I want to have and the type of life I want to have. So it's such an important element, I think, that we need to to really kind of consider that you are in constant flux, but you're also in constant, you have constant choice to really be able to see the world the way you want to see it. Yeah, love it. So let's look at it from another perspective then where you're daringly pursuing a vision and a dream and you go all in on it and you're getting feedback from everybody else, noise that you're crazy. What do you think you're doing? Who are you to do this? You know, how dare you? This is ridiculous. This is beyond all those kind of negative topics and associations that people have and your inner voice either supports that and listens to that or says, no, I'm actually not going to listen to the distractions. How about we put some uh, discussion into that one as well too, because I know I've definitely had situations where it was my inner knowing that kept me going. And sometimes I had to get really clear on whether it was stubbornness or ego that kept me going when I should have made a better distinction and what stopped me from course correcting. So Let's, uh, let's have a chat of that little uh, chestnut there. Yeah, yeah. So do you have an example of when that might have happened to you? Like, let's, let's kind of talk okay. through that and then, and then we can okay. dissect it a bit. Uh, so a classic scenario for me, funny enough, was so when I studied, before I got into chiropractic, my course, I, I didn't get in straight away. I did a science course first. And I went to uni with a guy who I was working with um, and I was working for his mum and dad at a 7-Eleven store, a 24-hour convenience store in, uh, in Melbourne. And I remember going through and studying with this guy and then saying, I've got a vision. I've, I've, I've wanted to be a chiropractor for my whole, my whole life. And, and they kept on saying, look, it's ridiculous. Why are you doing that? You're already, you know, who are you? So I think the catalyst for really wanting to talk about this today was really that story it came to mind. And I got so much heat and shade thrown on me about this is not possible for you, you're, you're, you're dreaming too big, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I got in and I actually didn't listen to them. And I didn't get in the first time, first year. I got in after second year, mucked around first year. That's another story. But I got in because I, I was pig-headed enough and stubborn enough to keep following through that and I didn't buy into their vision and version of what I thought was what they thought was possible for me. So that's one example when I did that. Yeah, like I think one of the things is it's very challenging not to, especially when you're younger, to not to be fall into the trap of listening to other people that are around you. And so there's two things, right? We already did an episode around this about, you know, surrounding yourself with the five, close, yep. the five closest people around you is going to be really change, you know, the perspective of how, who you are and who you're going to become. So, you know, go back and listen to that, uh, to that episode. I think it's a really vital one to kind of listen to, but you know, the, the challenge of course is, is that we are, we are social beings and being social beings, we are really tied into constantly wanting to the approval of our tribe and our community and making sure that our community approves of us. And no matter how much you say, I don't, I don't care what other people think, we all care about what other people think. Mm -hmm. It's just to the extent of who you're choosing to care about, right? Like whose opinion you care about. And so I think that's really important to have that key distinction about everybody. It's human nature, first of all, that everybody is going to be prone to it. And because of that human nature, we are prone to create biases in our heads that 
may help us or may push us towards a direction and decision that we may not actually want. And so this is where the challenge becomes. And, you know, for you, like you didn't listen to the voices of others and you decided to pursue your own voice. That takes guts and that takes courage, which mm -hmm. we've done a podcast on that too as well. And that's very challenging for any of us to kind of do. But I think every single time you actually do that and you follow your true self and you follow your true voice and you see the benefits and it creates evidence and proof to your life that hmm, I was right and everybody was wrong. I think that helps you to make better choices and listen to that voice even more. So mm -hmm. I think for anybody who's like listening, who's in their 20s, for example, I find that a very challenging time. Like anybody who's in their teens or in their 20s is really challenging because you don't, you're typically haven't really made most of your choices. Like typically the choices have been made for you or it's been created by biases around the people you surrounded yourself with, usually friends or family. And they've kind of directed you in a direction that, and that's their job. Like my job as, as, you know, as a father is to help my daughter or help my son make better decisions. But let's face it, we actually do influence them in, in a lot mm. of ways and by our behaviors and how we raise them. And we probably direct them and probably can push them in any direction that we want. You know, when they're younger, you lack that ownership and that self-awareness to make those choices. And so it becomes very difficult to fight against that. But it, And that's what I mean by courage. I think it takes a lot of courage, especially the very first couple of times you do it, to find that courage to actually trust in yourself. And there's so many ways and so many paths to be able to get there, get to that point if you even have enough courage to do so. And I congratulate anybody who does that. But you have to do it on your own. You, you, you have to have real trust in yourself. But I think one of the key components of that is that you would have to know yourself well. You have to know what your value, values are and what, you, what matters to you the most. And that takes a while to figure out. I'll, I'll use yeah. an example. I was in school. I had probably about 15, 20, 20 of our you know, classmates or colleagues or friends. And they were just having a party. We were just hanging out, having a party or whatever it was. And they all decided to go, right, let's, let's go smoke a joint. And I remember this incident clearly because everybody cleared out of that living room. Hmm. And I, had, I was stuck in that choice, right? I was like, you know, do I follow the crowd? Or do I stick to what my beliefs were around that? I'm not saying it was right or wrong. And there's no judgment on my friends either. It was just like, it's not something I wanted to do. <laughs> and I had to fight that. That takes a lot of like, yeah. uh, I don't want to say guts because I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but it was like, it took a lot of effort in my mind to resist the temptation to just follow and just do what everybody was doing. And that, that, I remember that clear because I literally was sitting there all by myself hmm. and I was like, hmm, this is weird. <laughs> like, this is really weird uh, and being comfortable with that situation. And honestly, we talked about that in an episode as well too, about the courage, you know, the courage to stand by your own convictions and, and how challenging that is, particularly in the developmental ages, as you mentioned, in the teens and, and where, where groups and social networks are very, very important. They're developing in there. So a lot of the times you raise a really good point there because the, the challenge and the conflict for a lot of people is to see something being done and inside you're going, this isn't a good idea or this isn't for me. And being swept up when it, you know, by virtue of 
your want to fit in, your need to be part of a group, and you're developing autonomy over self to go, hey, this is what I believe and I'm going to stay true to it. But, but that, that's not an easy step and an easy process. You know, when you've got influential people around you and perhaps you have tried very hard to fit into a group, um, I can see where it's a perfect storm for someone to be swept up and not listen to their inner voice, knowing that they're going against what their inner wisdom is telling them isn't a good idea for them. But the need to fit in at some level is more important than to listen to that. Yeah, and I think the like the parents are probably the one of the most challenging things to fight against. You know, I know I'm going to say this right now, and it's going to be recorded, and I'm going to go exactly how I'm not going to say I'm not going to pour. <laughs> but I do my very very best. I try my very best. Try not to make a decision for my kids. I try to let them. I mean, I I'll be. I'm sure I. I influence their decisions, but I try to let them come to their own conclusions as best as I possibly can. And I think that the reality is, is that I know that when my parents want certain things for me or they say this is better for me, I feel like there's it's hard to resist that. It's hard to resist like someone who's raised you to really kind of go, you know, you're wrong. I think I'm going to go in this path and I, I believe that I'm right. And it's not about being right or wrong, it's but but being able to have that autonomy to be able to have that freedom of choice to be able to know that you created the life that you have but that takes responsibility we'll come back like you know coming back to that it's like it requires you to go that the life that you all have right now you have to take responsibility for all the greatness that you've actually created in your life which is amazing hmm. which we all i'm sure we all take credit for but we also have to take credit for all the crap and all the shit that we actually had created for our life too you know, yeah. and I think it's important for us to kind of recognize that it, in order to take the wins, you have to take the losses as well. Yeah. But I, I, there's tremendous freedom, in my opinion, when I'm responsible and solely responsible for my life, meaning like for all the good that has happened in my life, it's because of me. And yes, of course, there's a bit of luck in that, but I also created that luck by, you know, doing certain things and making certain decisions. But I also have to admit that for all the things that I've lost and regrets, they're on me too. It wasn't exter external circumstances. It's easy to blame certain situation or maybe like the, the recent couple of years or maybe like a recession or interest, whatever. They can easily blame external factors. But at the same time, I don't think that helps you. I think it's important to go, yeah, that may, that's the environment that we have to work with, but I still made those decisions based on the facts that I had at the time. And so mm -hmm. all I'm, I'm really saying here is like taking responsibility for taking either you listen to your voice or you didn't listen to your voice, but be whether it became good or bad, like rather than having the judgment of that, be just be responsible, be responsible mm -hmm. for the life that you have now. Because for me, by being responsible for your life that you have now, now gives you the power. And that power is that you, the life of your future is on you now, mm -hmm. right? If you're responsible for all the good and bad that you've actually happened to you this point in life, then now you have the power to be able to shape the life that you want to have in the next three, five, 10, 30 years of your life. Yeah, you know, what I thought of when you were talking about that was the difference between thoughts and inner voice. Mm. Because you can have a thought, uh, and a thought will be a random bubble that comes through. But for, in, in neurolinguistics, they say you are, you are not your thoughts, you're the thinker of your thoughts which ultimately gives you the power to make choice and distinctions based on whether that you buy into that thread or not. 
And so a lot of the times, the inner thought, inner voices quite often are just rubbish thoughts that run through our mind that we don't have to hang our hat on and go, I thought it, so that's, that's what it is. And, and the distinction is, no, you don't. Because those thoughts quite often may be influenced by, as you said, external factors, other people, but you don't have to buy into those because they may not be true for you. Yeah. So there's wisdom in coming from the ability to differentiate and discern the difference between your own truth and the, the inner voice, uh, the inner voice of the projections of other people. Yeah. You know, just on that, Lawrence, I was just going to say that a very uh, important distinction I learned a lot of, a long time ago was when you hear those inner, th- inner voices, try to locate whose voice that is. Mm. You know, because if it's the voice of your mum or your dad, or you can get some clarity as to where that's coming from. If it's coming from, I think, relaying it back to the first story that I had was to me there was no other point other than universal intelligence or something higher power because that was a really clear message. But there are other times I've had inner voices where I go, that's my mum talking, that's my dad talking. Mm. And mm. am I living through their expressions through me? Was this really truth for me? You know, there's, um, that reminded me of uh, when Jeff Spencer taught me something and I thought it was really, really powerful. And I'll share it with you, share it with everybody. And it's basically, he said to me once, he goes, you know, one of the most important points is like, you should really kind of get a sense of where, if you're in fear and the feeling is fear, where, where in your body do you feel it? Okay. And then when it's pure joy and it's just like, this is just aligned with your values and your soul and it touches your soul. Where, where do you feel that? And it's different for everybody. Like some people mm-hmm. feel it in their head. Some people like a fear it might be in their head. It might be in their stomach or whatever. And you know, joy might be in their heart or in their stomach. Like it, it doesn't really matter where it is. It's more that as you are tuned to that. So fear and joy. So that's the first step. That's step number one. Step number two is that next time, whenever a vo- your voice comes up, when something tells you a certain thing, because you have that baseline of knowing and understanding where fear or joy comes from, then you go, then you really kind of have a baseline to evaluate whatever that voice and thought might be, what you were talking about. If something says you should go and do this, is that coming out of fear or is that coming out of joy? Is mm-hmm. it pulling you or, or pulling you or is it pushing you? And I think that's a really good exercise to do when, when there's no emotion. Like the first part of that exercise, you need to do it when you're not in fear or joy. Like it's just like you're just neutral because then, then you're not being biased and really start to think about like when I'm in fear, where do I feel this part of my body? And when I'm in joy, where do I feel this part of my body? So then now you have a baseline. And next time you sort of have a, a, a conundrum or when you're actually feeling something, you're not sure where it's coming from. Is it either fear or joy? Then really, then you can kind of go like, is it coming from my head or is it coming from my stomach or is it coming from my heart? Hmm. And that may give you some clues of where that that voice is actually coming from. Is it your your voice that's telling you um, out of fear, or is that the voice that's telling you out of joy? Yeah, and that's a great way to discern the basis of the voice, the feedback, uh, and and the quality of the feedback you're getting as well too. So how about we shift gears and I ask you a question? Okay, so imagine you are locked on and you are ignoring advice that's life threatening. You know, like. People are, are saying to you, dude, don't jump off the cliff without a parachute. And you're like, no, I'm going to do it like that kind of scenario. So <laughs> what is it that stops us from heeding exceptionally good advice 
because we don't what what would stop someone from basically listening to a convention and not not actually um course correcting i think it's ego like you know for me it's yeah, ego that's what i would have said too you know, yeah. ego is the first thing that comes to my mind is because you know you usually only get into that state of way of thinking is because you feel like you're untouchable and you're mm -hmm. almost like god and that nothing everything you do and everything like oh, so far so good you know like it's like playing a hand of you know several rounds of poker or something or gambling and you're like i, I want a massive winning streak and nothing's going to stop me and yeah. sometimes it's great to feel invincible i think it's important to feel invincible right and and everything that we we talk about is always in the balance right we always talk about like how do you build enough momentum where you feel like you're invincible and unstoppable you can actually go and do whatever you want to do right mm -hmm. and there's a lot of i just finished reading a book and literally the last chapter was was talking about go out there like only thing that stops you from living your life and getting all the financial rewards you ever want is fear right just like it, and you're all gonna die anyway so and just talked about that i'm like you know it's so it's so true right it's 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 absolutely true but at the same time you can also do something like that and just be stupid right because yeah. it's like oh, the advice is like just live your life as you know there's no tomorrow okay but that kind of lifestyle also ensures like the higher probability of you maybe living a great life, but also shortens your life too by living dangerously. Yeah. And yeah. so it's 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 really about the balance of the of those two the, those two kind of way of thinking. So like in anything in life, I don't think any extreme is probably too much of one thing. And it's about recognizing who you are, and it comes down to self again, like. Where do you fit? Because your mid middle ground or your middle may be, may be different than mine. And there's no right or wrong, but you got to find that balance. And so, yeah, I would say ego is the number one thing that stops us from heeding to those advice of others because you're so blinded by pursuit of the goal and the blinded by your own success and thinking that you are not going to fail. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally there. That's, that's I guess I asked the question, having a, an, a concept of what I thought it was. And I, it was great to hear that you felt it was the same way. We're both either correct or we're both wrong. And, you know, in that, in that regard, what I, I've always, and it's come up before in a previous conversation with us where how do you know the, what voice to listen to up until a point where it serves you? And then at what point do you need to change that to tell a different narrative and story. Because when you talked about the invincibility when you're in the zone and in flow, you're telling yourself a different story as opposed to when things aren't going your way. So it's important that the, the story or the narrative or the internal voice is life-affirming and it's helping you progress and move forward. If it's actually in defense mode and it's negative, then it's obviously drawing you from good decisions and choices. That's a different thing. But that's, I think, always... The challenge that I found, even in my own life and even other people, is what's the point where it switches? At what, how do you how do you gain wisdom? How can you put an old head onto young shoulders, so to speak, to know at what point you need to course correct? You need to change. You need to change something about the inner voice or your motivations or your ego, whatever it is, yeah. to take the feedback coming on. I think I think it's hard, getting harder and harder to do so. Um, because we're more and more exposed to outside noise that is very difficult to control. And so what I mean by that is like, if you go back, say 20 years, you know, the, the real voice that you really hear, uh, that can kind of influence you in certain directions are probably the people that you're surrounded by and, and maybe, you know, whatever media or medium that you're really kind of uh, listening to or following through. 
But in the world of social media now, like you are constantly bombarded by people's voices and opinions that you don't even know, or you're supposed to be friends with and, or you follow through and they, and they're louder and more influential because they know what sound bites can really change people's narratives. And this includes mm -hmm. the media. I'm not saying like, it's not just people, it's just also the media. And when the emotions are high and when the stakes are higher, you can really tell that by being further the, at the end of the spectrum, you actually create a situation where the person who's voicing out that opinion actually gets rallying cries from those people at the end to create mm. more confirmation bias for you to become more like that. So your voice gets louder and louder towards the left, the right, or whatever the spectrum is, and more away from the middle. And we're in the situation right now, right? We are in the situation right now, politically and societally, societally where every topic has like a left and a right opinion. And then they're all, most of the time, they're so freaking extreme, we barely have a chance to even debate the middle. And so why am I saying all this to, to answer your question? Well, what I'm saying is that it is so difficult. It's almost like trying to listen to your own voice in the middle of a rock concert. Because the yeah. voices are so loud on both sides of the aisle, you are so tempted to just listen to some because it's so much easier to give your opinions or your decisions to someone else and just let them make it for you because then you know that you can have the excuse that you didn't do it, right? It wasn't your choice. And so what I think you needs to be done is that in order to like course correct, you have to be able to learn to shut out the noise on the outside. I think that's the only way and to minimize it at the very minimum, right? To have noise cancellation headphones, you know, block them all out because that's the only time when you actually get to listen to your own voice, but we're always so constantly distracted. That's what I'm saying. Like our, our so we're such in a distracted society, not because the voices are louder because we allow ourselves to be distracted. We are not listening. We don't want to listen to our own voice sometimes. And we're not quieting enough. And I think this is where meditations or breath work or any of those type of things really helps with the mindfulness is really to calm that brain down to really going, what is the voice telling me? What is, what is your inner voice telling you? And I'm guilty of this, man. Like it's, it's a very tough environment to not mm. hear the negative negativity and things around you. And you just get caught up and swept up in the emotions. We're just talking about this with the family and saying how it's amazing, like how let's just pick the most recent thing, like with COVID and stuff and the height of all of that stuff. And I hate to keep on bringing this up, but like it's the most memorable thing that we can all kind of go through. And we've all had different perspective on it. Why? Because we all had different, depending on how you saw things, you would see as different, a certain reality. And in hindsight now, now that we're out of that situation, you look back and going, hmm, like, did I behave in any way irrational in the, any of those circumstances, right? And so this is not about judgment on right or wrong. This is more about just evaluating, like, how did I get to that state of deciding that's the choice or having those choices that I made? What took me there? What did I have to do? And like for a lot of people, like you, we either got swept into the emotional feeling of what everybody was doing or not doing, then you most likely made certain choices based on that. I still remember just getting into the heat of the argument and you start realizing like, what am I doing? Why are we even arguing? And so 
I think to kind of course correct, I think requires you to really take a step back, one, to be able to quiet the noise. And two, this is where self-responsibility comes in play. This is where you got to go, okay, like, did I do something? Did, have, have I made a mistake? Am I going in the right direction? Am I choosing this based, based on ego? Or am I doing this for to actually base it on what I'm supposed to be basing on, which is my goal or to uh, how I want to choose to live my life or whatever that thing is for you. I think mm. when you then have that opportunity to quiet the voice and actually then question whether you're on the right course or not, at that point, you have to possibly have the probability of admitting failure, which is very difficult to do. And then when, if yeah. you, if you're open to that, and this is where the mindset comes in, if your mindset allows you to go, you know what, I effed up, I made a mistake here. I'll take responsibility for that, that I'm, I am sorry for doing X or saying X and I apologize. I'm not making excuses. I know I was wrong and I'm sorry. And for, and I think having that mindset to be able to do that allows you to course correct. If you don't have that mindset, okay. you will most likely double down on your initial decision and even push even harder. So effectively, what if I'm understanding what you're saying is that, that what stops people from heeding advice is being closed off to it yeah. in the first place and not being open to possibilities. So there's a difference between collecting information and making your own decision as opposed to being influenced by people to act a certain way when you haven't really filtered it through your own values, your own wisdom to work out what's the best thing. Uh, you know, one of the things that I thought of as you were talking about that, yes, look, the pandemic experience was a huge social experiment that we all got to see how people hack, handled stress and uncertainty and all those kind of things. So uh, just for a moment, I'll put that aside. I'm reminded of the wisdom, inner wisdom of a young mother who's having her first child and has so many competing opinions about how things should be done. Yeah. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You know, they've read every book on motherhood ever written. I know we went through this whole process. And then you get to a point where you just go, I could go this way, I could go this way. I've just got to trust what is in me biologically the right thing. And I think that that's the point of power that comes when we actually – yeah, quieten down the noise externally. Use it for guidance. Use it for reference. However, use our own internal compass to say, is this true for me? Does this resonate with me? Does this make sense? And is this in the best interest of myself and my family? Yeah. And I've seen situations where young mums, really young mums, show wisdom way beyond their years because they're actually able to tap into that. That, that is such a brilliant example because it's one of those moments that we've all experienced. And I think that one of the reasons why we bring up the pandemic so much is because it's a shared experience throughout the world, no matter where you lived in the world, most likely or a higher probability that you understood collectively what that felt like. If I use an example of what happened in Australia, for example, you don't necessarily know what that felt like or any situation in Australia because you're not necessarily Australian, you didn't go through it, make, make sense? And so that's why I think, you know, when we use examples of the pandemic for to highlight some of these thoughts, and um, um, you know, these patterns is because we all, I believe all the listeners and viewers had some version of their of their feelings around it. But I think I like your example a lot too, is because for most of us who have had kids would have gone through that experience, especially if you're a woman, 
all these thoughts and all these things, people's conflicting. And, and it takes a lot to really like go shut the noise because there's a period, right? Oh my God, like you take on everybody's advice, you start doing all those things and nothing works. And then you like have to learn to shut that out. And I kind of look at this way. I go, my viewpoint is that on anything, right, in life that requires that there's no Bible on it, like one path, right? There's like yeah. multiple ways of doing this thing and there's they're conflicting. Chances are there's not one way of doing it. Right. So, and, and so when I, parenting, exactly like parenting is the perfect example. Like if there was a perfect way to parent and making sure you, you know, get X, Y, Z kind of kid, then there would be a Bible for it. Like there's a certain way of doing this is the playbook, right? If there's a playbook for it. Chances are that no, there's no playbook for parenting. There's a playbook for this, like, let's say like for, you know, sleeping, but it's like cry it out method right? Let them all cry and just let, let it them let it out. Oh, no. And then the other way, the con, the way on the other side would be like, no, you need to nurture and, you know, make them sleep in the bed. Like, I'm not saying which way is better or not. I just know what way worked for us, but doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's going to work for your child because your child can be completely different and our values are different as parents. So anything, any topic that I find that has multiple playbooks right away, it's one of those situations where I go, I need to ensure whatever playbook I choose to, to go forward has to be within my values rather than just going pick and choose internet influencers tell me like this is the playbook you need to have. Uh, I think another thing that I've found out as well too, Lawrence, around that is where confusion came into it is when I, I was partly immersed in either approach or strategy without actually seeing it run all the way through, i.e. that time Thing that we were talking about so if i made a decision and let's say it was the decision on the right for example and if after one step or two step i changed it to the left and then went back to the right and then to the left that's only creating confusion hmm. because the reality is both the left hand the left or the right option may get me to where i want to but i actually haven't seen it through and so what i tried to do was to go okay i'm going to follow this path and i'm going to give it the time that is recommended and if they say to me it takes X amount of time, then I will see it through and I'll get to the end. And if it's still not there, then I'll change. But I have to I have to give that an opportunity to work. Otherwise, I'll never develop an understanding in myself of what worked or what didn't. And where I found confusion and I find with a lot of people is when they oscillate because they're not certain in themselves. They go, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And that indecision, that lack of decisiveness in terms of what direction you go, and we, you talked about it on a previous podcast about leadership and going, we're going that way. That shows conviction and that helps you build up trust in self, which is what reinforces that inner voice. So to me, decisiveness about which direction you're going to go, irrespective of whether it's the right one at the time, will help you build up the credits in your own knowledge to then know what worked, what didn't, and when you need to change. You know, one of the things that I know where I struggled most in my life is usually when I didn't know what the next move was going to be. And in my head, I find that that's the biggest struggle I go through in my own my headspace because that's usually when I'm the, not the maybe the saddest or like where I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm floating and not knowing what, where I'm going. And, you know, and that's, and, and it reflects everywhere in my life. And usually in those moments where it's, I start to realize over time, I recognize that the reason why I feel that way is because I wasn't committed to doing anything. 
because I was so mm -hmm. I didn't have any clarity of any sort of future. And so therefore I just sit and kind of wait and hope, hoping that something will come to me and that the future will just show up and guide me. And the reality is, is that it never does <laughs> because even when it does, I, even if it does show up, I still have to make a decision. And so basically all I'm yeah. doing is just avoiding decisions and decision isn't about like choosing one way or the other decision is also being deciding like where, what direction you want to go. And so on, when I work through with my coaches and it took me many years to kind of get to this point, I go, whenever I feel that way, that was the, always the thing that I was lacking. And all I really have to do to get myself out of those situations is I just need to choose a direction. And what mm -hmm. was clear to me is that it didn't really matter what direction it was. It just had to be a direction because it's better to have a direction and move forward than it is to have no direction and just sort of sit there. Because I think like that is like quicksand. Like you're just waiting for you, for the world to swallow you up. And when you're sinking in quicksand, it doesn't matter if you go north, south, east, or west. Just pick a bloody direction and just get the mm. hell out of the quicksand. You might decide to go north and realize that 100 kilometers in, you're like realizing, this is not the direction I want to go. That's when you talked about changing course. Yeah, it's to recognize like, okay, it's okay. I don't want to go north. I want to go west. So I'm going to have to head back in some sort of direction. So you might have to trace back. So what? at least you're not in quicksand. That's how I kind of think of myself. So if any of you who are kind of stuck in that situation of where like, I don't know what to do. I feel kind of sad. I'm kind of stuck in this place. I'm kind of in transition. Yeah. The reason why I think is usually because you haven't chosen a direction and it's okay. It's okay to live there for a once in a while, but it, you know, the choice is up to you to whether and how long you actually want to live like that. And most people are trying to just do their job while they live like that. And the problem with that though, that lack of decision Three years go by, five years go by, and you, you don't realize how much time goes by. And then you go, man, you lost that opportunity. There was like multiple, multiple times because the train keeps going, right? Time keeps going. And you've lost that opportunity mm. that you could have got off and, and went a different direction. Mm. I like it. Lawrence, I was going to finish up with, I guess, a synthesis of what I've understood during this whole discussion. And that would be that, you know, the inner voice is a really important guiding uh, it's like a messenger quite often. It can, it can highlight danger. It can let, alert you to things that are survival-based and you want to listen to and they can really serve you, as I shared in, in my story. They can reflect your biggest doubts uh, of yourself. They can reflect the noises and the sounds and the voices of your detractors or people who are loved ones who are cautiously wanting the best for you uh, but you can start adopting their beliefs in your own uh, thinking, your own voice. I think that you don't have to buy into every thought that you have. You can actually have capacity and discernment to decide what's, what serves you and what doesn't. And finally, that you can choose the narrative of the story that you tell yourself about yourself as part of your inner voice and use it to level yourself up, to use it as inspiration and motivation rather than buying into the negative side of it. I think that's, if I can condense 50 odd years of my learning to date, um, that'd probably be it in terms of the inner voice. Uh, I think I'll end with that to know that you have multiple voices inside of you. There's multiple inner voices inside of you and you have to discern at any given moment, which were those voices actually speaking the loudest. There, what Jim has highlighted is here is that, you know, you're talking about the voice that, you know, that, that guides you and leads you. 
I think we need to also know that there's the other voice, the other voice we didn't really spend too much time on, which is the voice that kind of says you can't do this, or the voice that, you know, is like creating you to be the verse version of yourself, not necessarily because they're trying to do that, but they're actually there in protection. And so knowing the difference between those two voices, you know, we can call it the, the lizard voice, the dragon voice that I call that, that voice is there to really try to protect you. They're trying to save you, but they're, they have a different objective. Their objective is more immediacy, meaning like they, it's more mostly about them trying to be comfortable at that given moment in time. They want to have protect you from and, and create safety for you at that given moment in time. So their intentions are more short-lived. The other voice that you've been talking about, Jim, I think that voice is the one that thinks long-term. They're the one who is thinking mm. like the patterns for the future. They're the, they're the ones who, that voice is the one who's trying to tell you about, yes, you might have to go through some hardship, but the payoff is going to be so much better. This is the champion voice. This is the greatness voice. This is the, the, the true voice, I believe. Uh, I'll call it the true voice, the true voice that's actually inside of you. But they, they are, they're the long-term focus. But what you need to understand is those two voices that the lizard brain, the dragon voice often hijacks the true voice, right? And you have to discern that at any given moment in time, which voice is it? Is it um, that's actually speaking the loudest at this moment in time? And that requires self-awareness and that requires you to quiet down the noise and that requires for you to be, to be able to know what the voices have been. And I think it's really important based on our conversation. I hope that all of you take back and go and look, look at your life. And when has the lizard voice or the dragon voice have been dominating? And how did those thing, events turn out? When has the true voice been dominating? And how did those circumstances turn out? By going through and filtering your, your past decisions and, and allowing yourself to really be okay with whatever decision you made in the past, you can learn from it so that you can get better at deciding which voice is actually stronger in the future. So guys, I hope that was helpful yes. uh, to really kind of really understand the voices that's inside of your, health, uh, your head. I've learned a lot from Jim here, and uh, I hope that you can take some of this and apply it to your life and uh, move and become the greatest version of yourself. That's what we're here for and hope that we can, using our shared journeys of our life, that help you in some way to improve yours. So until next week, until the next podcast of the Wabi Sabi, please share this with others and please comment and let us, let us know how you think about these episodes. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back.